I am fantasy and paranormal romance author Leslie Penelope, and welcome to My Imaginary Friends, a look behind the scenes of an author mapping the worlds in my head and making them a reality. Hello friends, today is Saturday, January 28th, 2023, and this is episode 203 of My Imaginary Friends. I'm Leslie. So this week's best thing is human interaction. I had uh, a couple of podcast interviews this week and um, another meeting, and it was just nice to talk to people, either are just meeting or just never have talked to before. And yes, it was really nice. So shout out to Liz and thank you for the chat about marketing and a shout out to Keisha at the Nerds, Herbs and Words podcast, which I believe is coming soon. I did a, a po- an interview that will be out in a few weeks and I will definitely let you know about that. And Adrian Gibson, who does the SFF Addicts podcast and also was behind TBRCon. And I did a panel recording for that this week, which is live on YouTube now. You can check that out. It featured some really thoughtful, amazing writers, including PHLA Clark and Tasha Suri. And we had a good discussion about history in fantasy. I had a lot of fun and I got lots of interesting ideas. So yeah, Adrian's doing this whole con, this week-long thing, lots of fantasy authors, so many like amazing writers uh, and thinkers are there. And I just, yeah, he's doing amazing things. And I think that's really cool. So shout out to him as well. So this is not only we're into multiple hours of talking this week. This is like the fifth video I've shot today because I've been recording for my course and the house is quiet all day long. So I'm trying to get as much recorded as possible. Uh, I haven't lost my voice yet. (laughs) It is a near thing. I'm going to try to squeeze in one more after this and then we'll see. I'm going to take a vow of silence for the rest of the weekend. Anyway, my writing update. It's been a good week for writing. I have been, I alternated uh, the first project that I work on. So I'm, I'm doing two books at once. And last week I was starting with uh, the Black Towns book to make sure that I got time in on brainstorming and character work. This week I flipped it. So I start my day with Beastly Kingdom and it's been going really well. I've been getting one to two scenes done a day. And this is the end of the book. I'm, I've just entered the third act. So my third acts of my first drafts are very rough. They're like four or 500 words long, as opposed to other scenes and chapters, which will be 15 to 2000 words long and always getting longer when I revise them. So by the time I get to the end of the first draft, I'm just running on fumes. I'm sketching things out. I don't know a lot. Uh, I'm confident of even less and which means the revision takes longer, but all the stuff that I've been through with this book, I was able to get a very clear and pretty detailed synopsis. And I'm just every day I open up the synopsis, I look at the the paragraph of the chapter I'm supposed to write that day or revise that day. And I do it and it gets done. So and it feels good. (laughs) I you know, I write with other people in the morning. And one of my writing partners who is also a very close friend for the past uh, 30 years almost. At one point after a sprint, I was like, I think this is really good. I like this. I, I think it's thrilling. And she was like, she looked at her watch. She was like, let's, I should, I should have been recording. We should mark this down because for me to finish a chapter and be like, I really like it. And I think it's thrilling doesn't happen. Usually at the end of a sprint, I'm like, Oh yeah, I don't hate it. It's fine. It's only much later that I actually reread and, and find that I really enjoy my books in the process. Rare. And so we'll see what happens. Like, I don't want to jinx anything, but usually when I like it, it's actually good. 
and I'm very hard on myself and and especially my writing sprint partners who go through it all with me and I, in some cases have for years. <laughs> they know this. So when I'm happy about something, you know, this book for a long time, I wasn't happy with it. And I was just like, oh, is this going to be one of those ones where I'm like, but I'm really liking it. So hopefully other people will like it. And as I get to the end of this revision, um, I get closer to being able to set a release date. I'm trying, and I think I can, get this book out, at least the ebook and print, by a polycon at the end of April. I've decided we are going to do a non-simultaneous audiobook release. Um, I did sell the audiobook rights to Orange Sky, and then my agent said that that was okay, so that is cool. Sorry, audiobook people, probably an extra two months for y'all, but I would just like to get this book out and in the world tentatively. So not making any firm decisions until this draft is done and the copy editor is officially booked, which should happen this week. Sherman is right next to me and he's sleeping and he's dreaming and he's making noises in his sleep. It's very adorable. Sorry if it's noisy. So yes, also for Beastly Kingdom, actually no, for the next book. So the cover for Beastly Kingdom has been done for months. And my cover designer, who is the amazing Bookfly design, James at Bookfly, he's done my cover since the very first self-published Song of Blood and Stone. I have to book him eight months in advance. So eight months ago, I thought I would be done with this book by now and working on book three. So I was like, yeah, let's do book three cover, February 2023. I get the reminder that my cover appointment is coming. Now, I could push it back another eight months because there's no way book two is going to be done before then, but I decided to keep the appointment. However, that means I need a cover brief for book three. Of course, it is book three in the series. I know the basics. I haven't spent a lot of time on it, but I'm, I've been setting it up in this book. You know, this is a trilogy. Maybe it goes on for more, but it's definitely a trilogy. I'm committed to three. And so, yeah, I'm, I have to this week also just spent a little bit of time thinking about cover ideas for book three. It's going to be the same um, format and everything. And and no spoilers. I don't know if this is it's not really a spoiler, but um, the main character of book three looks identical to the main character of book one. So that is a model that we don't have to find. I'm really excited for book three. I've been waiting to write book three since book one. <laughs> I guess that's how it works, right? I have I have ideas. I don't have everything, of course. I haven't spent any men- mental energy on it, but like the possibilities of book three are just calling to me. So yes, I have to finish book two. Book two does end. The story ends satisfyingly. I don't know if you'd call this a cliffhanger, but I guess some people will call it a cliffhanger, even though it's just more like a wide open door for book three. And oh, so exciting. So anyway, I have got that uh, cover coming up. Cover reveal for book two. Once I set the date, I'll do the cover reveal. So hopefully sometime in February makes sense to me. Other announcements. I was invited to be a keynote speaker at the Indie Author Forum. So this is a one-day conference for indie authors put on by Book Life, which is the indie section of Publishers Weekly. And Book Life is actually how I submit my indie books for reviews with Publishers Weekly. And I've gotten a couple, um, Savage City and the original Song of Blood and Stone. Both actually got starred reviews in Publishers Weekly, but through Book Life. And there's a way that you could, there's a paid version, but, um, I would, I don't ever recommend doing like paid reviews. 
there is a free version and they, they have to choose you. So you submit your book for free. And if, the, if you get chosen, you'll get reviewed. And um, yeah, that's, that's been something that I've, I've done. And so I know that uh, they did a, like an interview. I did an interview with Book Life and I think it appeared in the Publishers Weekly magazine, which was actually really cool. I didn't know that was going to happen. So yeah, I will be a keynote speaker. I will link to the event in the show notes if you would like to come. It'll be lots of education and probably great information for indie authors. And I will share a part of my journey. So this week, apparently the universe really wanted me to know something because I kept coming about, uh, kept coming across the same concept over and over again. So I wrote this down in my notes just the economics of how you spend your time and what you say yes to. Every yes is a sacrifice. And I started to feel like that. Like I was getting a lot of invitations to do things and I have to evaluate what I'm going to say yes to. I usually say yes to most things if they're not terribly inconvenient or if, you know, I can, if I have the time, I try to say yes to a lot of things. And I always feel very bad when I have to say no to something. I've been overwhelmed lately and having to say no to things in the short term because these books have to get done. And um, But yeah, I think about that a lot. And then there was a newsletter that came in and the quote that I wrote down was, every yes is a no to something else, which same thing. I saw an article about David Sedaris and it was all about this concept. And the quote is, if you want to be successful, you need to give up something. And he, in this article um, that I will link to, takes it a step further. So it's actually an article about an essay that he wrote. It brings up the idea, which I think I saw in these other places too, of the burners. Like you have four burners on your stovetop. They represent work, family, friends, and health. And if you want to be successful, you have to turn at least one of those burners off. If you want to be really, really successful, you need to turn off two burners, (laughs) work, family, friends, health. So this uh, person that David Sedaris talks about, who was extremely successful and had just retired, had chosen to turn off family and health. And it sounds so extreme, but like, that's real. So you either choose to turn them off or they get turned off without your knowledge or permission. And that's probably even worse. And there's seasons for everything. This year at Thanksgiving, I had a terrible, terrible food reaction. Um, I'm very allergic to rice flour, which is in a lot of gluten-free things. And I didn't realize that I was eating rice flour on Thanksgiving Day, and it was very bad. But also, I'm not really supposed to eat gluten either. I took this blood test, and I know that it affects me. And so I decided I was going to cut out gluten. Cutting out gluten means I have to cook a lot more. Cooking more means washing more dishes, means taking time to prepare food. And I've also been exercising more. So I get up in the mornings and I do 10 to 20 minutes of cardio, yoga, mobility, something. And then often in the afternoons, I'm trying to do a longer workout a couple times a week. So I've turned on health on my burner. Fortunately, my husband is in a high work period too. So in terms of family, we've kind of both turned that down while we're focusing on the current, you know, short-term things. And friends are always at a low burner for me. But also, that's a personality thing too. But no, I, I know I have calls to make, I have people to follow up with, and there will be a season where you know these things will be done, and I can turn down work a little bit and turn up other things. And I didn't realize I was consciously doing it. Like I knew this was a thing. I know you can't have everything, so your focus is going to push other things to the background. But just hearing it articulated this way was really helpful. I've turned off social media. Like I will go in, I'll check my DMs on all my platforms, well, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. 
I hadn't looked at, at TikTok for months. I feel like I finally did go in because I they keep emailing me that you have a direct message. And I'm like, oh gosh, I gotta do that. And so shout out to Kiana for sending me things on TikTok. I do appreciate that. If you see someone mentioning me, just know I don't I didn't see it because I'm not on TikTok. But if you DM me, <laughs> I will eventually get to it. And that was really cool. So I'm gonna try to keep saying I'm gonna try to do a TikTok here and there and keep it up. We'll see if that happens. But yeah, social media, no. I, you know, I, I'll go on Twitter. I made like one tweet, but I had to turn it down. Like I can't, and I don't like that. I don't like social media anyway. So it's easy to turn that down, to, to focus on other things. I also read an article about, you know, a, an entrepreneur, I don't remember the niche, who also didn't like social media and decided that, you know, she was just going to market a different way. Now, this person was doing a lot more like cold calling, like in-person high touch stuff that I'm also incredibly uncomfortable with. So I'm thinking though about trying not not to feel guilty about not being on social media in a in a real way. And what does that mean? How can I replace replace it with something, some kind of activity that will yield some results, whether or not they're the same as, you know, social media, um, as the possibility of social media, because I don't know that the reality has ever been super amazing. Although I do know that Social media has sold books for me. I've seen it happen like in real time and as people are mentioning me, but through no efforts of my own, basically. I also haven't been reading as much. There are seasons and times when I'll read three, four or five books a week. And that is not the season. I have gotten a few more audiobooks. So in my downtime, in my washing dishes, cleaning up the house time, I'm listening to more audiobooks. And that works well because I do, if I'm not reading, I'm not inputting, I'm not filling the well, I do get creatively dry. So I have to be careful about cutting it out completely. I'm not rock climbing right now for a bunch of reasons. I'm taking a break from that. And that has actually freed up time because I would spend three, four hours between driving to the gym. I'd spend at least an hour and a half to two hours climbing, coming back, (laughs) recovering, eating, icing things down. I think that's helped me make room for some of the other things that I'm doing right now. And yeah, it's a cycle. It's a season. When some of these projects are done, other things will come to the forefront. So saying yes to things does mean saying no to other things. It's not always a bad thing. And I believe that if you choose what you're turning off, which burners on your stove you're turning off and do it consciously and maybe plan for when you're going to turn them back on and reignite those relationships that you've kind of left by the wayside and, you know, call friends, go out to lunch with them, whatever, then you'll you'll have a plan for it. And it won't just be like, oh, I haven't talked to my friend in two years. What what happened? Because um, I turned friends all the way off because I was focused on these other aspects. But you do have to give up things. You know, everything is a sacrifice. Everything is a, is a balancing act, is a juggling act. That was just something that from all different sides was coming to me this week. And right on time, I, I needed to hear that. I needed to understand and you know, be a little kinder to myself when I feel guilty about certain things, but also understand that these sacrifices have to be made to to push forward. Another thing, because I'm on deadline and working on two books, which is highly stressful, I've been focused on my sleep and trying to improve my sleep because I'm very susceptible to insomnia because of stress. And that has all kinds of negative rippling effects throughout the rest of my life. And so far, I've been pretty successful. Um, I asked for, for Christmas these headphones that you can sleep in. I think they're called bed pods. 
And so I usually listen to some kind of meditation or like a yoga nidra at night when I'm having trouble sleeping. They came with this really nice eye mask. It's like plush and cushiony and satiny. And it, if I tie my hair down really tight, it fits around my head. <laughs> it wasn't made for this much hair. But cutting out all the light is scientifically proven to help you sleep, like having no light, either having blackout curtains or an eye mask. I stopped turning on the heater at night, so it's a little cooler in the bedroom. You're supposed to sleep better with cooler temperatures and just trying to improve my sleep hygiene overall. So far, it has been successful. Like I said, I haven't had the the severe problems with insomnia that I've experienced before and hope never to experience again. That's something in, in terms of turning up health. I tried different vitamins. I'm trying Athletic Greens, which is... um you know, the sponsor of every podcast ever. After three years of hearing about Athletic Greens on multiple podcasts, I was like, fine, I'll try it. And I was, I, for the one reason I didn't, very briefly, brief side note, <laughs> sidebar. I never tried it because you can't just buy like a sample and I wanted to know how it tasted. So I just, and they're expensive. So I, I bit the bullet, I bought a whole bag. I did not get the subscription and I tasted it for the first time. I'm like, oh, this is why they don't give you a sample because if you just had one sample, you probably wouldn't continue. But since I paid like an exorbitant amount of money for this entire bag, I kept drinking it and you get used to it. So that's uh, my plug for Athletic Greens, which is not sponsoring this podcast. Unlike every other one in the universe, I should figure out how to rectify that. Anyway, I, you know, part of the reason I was focused on health was also because I knew I was going to be in this high stress period. And exercise helps with getting rid of stress, relieving stress, sleep, eating better, cutting out the gluten made me feel so much better, gives me so much more energy, just because my body doesn't deal with it well. Everybody's body, not everybody needs to cut out gluten. It's like a fad, but like if you need to, it helps a lot of things. And also could be helping with my sleep and you know other things too. Like I can't discount that. So yeah, health has been turned up. Um, so I can get to the writing and, and being a healthy writer is super important, you know, especially given all the um the health issues that I have faced. One other plug for uh tools to help a healthy writer. I'm trash for Instagram ads. I'm I'm trying to be better, but I am very susceptible to their marketing. And I saw this on Instagram. It's uh, Incrediware, which is like braces and wraps for musculoskeletal issues. So I got these fingerless gloves from Incrediware and they are, they're not compression gloves, they're circulation gloves. And they're supposed to help with hand and wrist issues. And if you will recall, I have tendonitis in both wrists from rock climbing. Um, I'm sure typing doesn't help, but being that I'm working on two books, I still have work to do. I'm on the computer so much. I need my wrists to be better and to be able to handle the amount of work I am uh, asking of them. And that's not always been the case. So I got these fingerless gloves and then maybe it's psychosomatic, but they actually really help. Like I haven't, I've been typing hours and hours each day and I am not having any wrist problems. And I wear these when I'm getting ready to type. I, if I, if I forget them and I wrist start to ache, I put them on and they help and their circulation, so they keep my fingers warm. I, I have very bad circulation um, in my fingers. And they're always freezing. So I don't know, man. Also, I'm not getting paid for this. But uh, if you have those kinds of problems, you know, consider it. Because I've been using for about two or three weeks now. I also got one for my elbow because I have the ulnar nerve issue, which makes my fingers numb, blah, blah, blah. I got the elbow brace. It helped a lot, too. So I don't know, man. 
it could be in my mind. I don't know the science behind it. Like they, they have stuff on the website that explains it and I don't understand it. And I'm not sure that I believe it anyway, because it's all marketing. But whether it's psychosomatic or not, I'm doing pretty good at the moment. Knock on wood. So that's it for me. Um, goals for the week are to finish Beastly Kingdom. I think I can do it this week. I have seven scenes left to write as of this recording. Uh, I may or may not write today. If I don't write today, I'm definitely writing tomorrow. And yeah, I can get it done. It's within reach. So check back next week for my progress. And I hope that you have a wonderful week. Uh, it'll be February and I can't believe it. Uh, the year is flying by. Why? Why so fast? And I'll talk to you next week. For episode show notes and to sign up for the Footnotes newsletter and get the show notes in your inbox, go to myimaginaryfriends.net. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and watch the video episodes on YouTube. You can email me at podcast at lpnlp.com. I would appreciate a rating or review to help support the show. And My Imaginary Friends is part of the Frolic Podcast Network. For more fantastic podcasts, go to frolic.media slash podcasts.